This is the Leapcast, where we talk about how today's current events impact your real life. If you are tired of politics or you are just exhausted from the spin, this show is for you. My name is Andrew Lieb, and every week I host a talk radio show breaking down the news from an independent point of view. We discuss real estate, business, and your health. Hear from the experts and learn the truth on the Leapcast. Personal coach and trusted attorney, Andrew Lieb. Lauren, it's not Mother's Day yet. I got to tell you, I, I don't understand what's going on. We we just went to get some bagels because that's what you need before you go to the studio. And they're selling Mother's Day cookies already. And I said something to the lady because I got all scared that I was with my wife. That's like not good. Well, I am a mom. And well, I wasn't going to give it to you because you're my mother too. That would be really, really weird. Um, and so I got scared that I didn't tell our little kids and get them cookies for you. And it's not Mother's Day yet. And I don't understand the cookies. And I said to her, what's the story with the cookies? And she's telling me they're going to be sold out by the end of the weekend. I, I don't get it. Like, are you going to keep stale cookies to give to mom two weeks later? Apparently. I mean, they had the icing on it with the mom in yellow and the cookie in pink. And I don't understand. What don't you understand? Pink on the cookie? The girls like pink. You're a girl. You're wearing pink right now, actually. So I don't understand why a mom wants the pretty looking cookie. Because when something's pretty, it tastes better. Don't you know that? Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, I'm just, just going to give it right do back you know that, to the kid. Oh, okay. Just so we're on the same page as Lauren saying, please stop talking to me about this. That's that thing you get sometimes when you're married where instead of engaging or fighting, you see your spouse just being like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Immediate shutdown. So this is the Liebcast. You got Andrew and Lauren Lieb here. And in honor of Fair Housing Month, anti-discrimination law, we figured we'd talk about pink cookies, Mother's Day, and how stores adapt to help parents, women, because it's mother, it's a woman. It's parents, because they have kids, familial status. And we just thought that it's kind of ironic in today's society that we're also charged with anti-discrimination laws, fair housing laws, laws when it comes to workplace discrimination, educational discrimination. Did you see there was a person, uh, uh, I think general counsel of the Human Rights Commission, which is one of the most anti-discrimination Agencies, agencies is the wrong word, nonprofits, I guess, advocates, like that's their mission to root out discrimination. And this person was giving a lecture, I think a legal lecture to law students. I think that's what it was. And they were giving a lecture and contrasting different types of discrimination and trying to give an example and use the N-word. Don't look at me like blind. You know what the rest of the word is. And use the N-word, the full one, not they didn't say N-word. It's hard to say that someone used the N-word without saying the full word because then you might think that they said N-word. But no, they didn't say N-word. They said the full N-word. And they said it, I think, 11 times, and they got fired. Wait, so they were teaching about how to not discriminate, and they said the discriminating word to show people how not to discriminate. Well, Andrew, as a discrimination teacher, you have thousands of students that listen to you. How do you describe that in context without saying the word? That was the most robotic question I've ever been asked in my life before. Andrew, as a teacher, how do as you describe? anti-discrimination. I, I talk like I do right now. So as you and I are speaking right now, whether you're in your car, 
at home, hopefully going for a walk or a run because I think listening to the Liebcast while you're running is you're both exercising your body and exercising your mind. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of that. Maybe you're fishing. That's a good way to listen to the Liebcast too because while you're fishing, you're thinking about the Liebcast and then you're, you're – floater goes underwater and you got, I got one, I got one. And then you, so that could be, it's turning into fishing season. My boat's going in the water next week. Can't wait. The way I talk about it is I talk like a human and I'm not an idiot, but at the end of the day, when you read that someone in charge of the human rights commission, an attorney who does this for a living, I guess you can't use illustrations about anything unless you're talking about pink cookies for mother's day, because to really think about it, why are they making the cookies pink? Why are the cookies for Mother's Day? By having Mother's Day, are we saying that people that don't have kids aren't as good as people that do have kids? I just want to understand where the slippery slope goes on this thing. It's just an interesting concept in society. We are having debates about so many topics. And when I say debates, there's just different voices and different arguments. And people are animated. But I guess some things you can't say. Like there's... um a debate acceptable range, and then there's debate unacceptable range. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. You clearly can't say the N-word derogatorily. You clearly can't say the N-word in education. But you can have the N-word said by an African-American in a movie or comedy special or a rap song. Or that was the case. I don't know. Are we going to see movies shifting too? Well, and historically, a lot of this stuff was about, it started off before the 60s. Let's back up before the 60s because the Fair Housing Act's from 1968. Before the 60s, before 1968, before Martin Luther King was assassinated, before Lyndon Johnson pushed for the passing of the Fair Housing Act, before any of that happened in 1968, your biggest risk assessment was whether you were a cancer at the workplace a cancer in the housing, and you were going to disturb others. It was a PR situation. You know what I'm saying? Cancer meaning that whatever you say, if it was bad, it's just going to spread. Cancer certainly not meaning the physical ailment cancer. It was using it as an analogy. Yeah, so not just that it was going to spread. It was that you were going to kill someone. You were the bad. You were going to bring down the business. That's kind of what it means. Like So when you have a cancer in the workforce, you have someone that is volatile, someone who's loud, someone who offends others, someone who makes other people unproductive, kind of like in a sports team. What do I mean by that? In a sports team, star players aren't just good. They raise the people around them. They make them all better. You're not just responsible for yourself. You're responsible for those around you. In the workplace, in the educational landscape, in the housing environment, a cancer would make it bad for others. So before 1968, and by the way, there was a 64 civil rights as well. We don't need to go into that yet. 68 was about housing. But before the 60s, let's say like that, before the 60s, there was only this PR issue that you had. There was only this PR issue you had. And then the 60s came along and we got federal anti-discrimination laws. They started with just using constitutional stuff from the Equal Protection Clause. And there was originally issues from the Constitution. But what many morons out there don't realize is the Constitution doesn't give you a claim against other people or corporations. It only gives you a claim against the government. 
Do you understand what I'm saying there? So a lot of people get in a fight and they go, well, my constitutional rights. Blah, 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 blah. And then they do it on Facebook and they make memes and they write diarrhea all over the page. And you just scroll down a lot. Oh, my God. <laughs> Lauren, just as an aside, this great gal, a real estate agent that uses our school, Leap School, wrote me a fabulous question today. And she started off and she was so smart. And she complimented me. That's the best way to start when you want free legal advice. She complimented me. And she was so nice. But she used block style of her question without any enter buttons whatsoever, any tabs whatsoever. I had to print it and highlight to know where I was on the sentence. People, when you write an email, the enter button is your friend. I just want to throw that. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be all caps. Same thing for a Facebook post or whatever other place you're posting. No caps, no caps, except for the beginning of a sentence. Maybe if you want to emphasize something, you could get one word in caps. That's your maximum. But then below that, I want enters. Don't be afraid that you only have, I don't know if you remember, Lauren was an English major when she went to University of Michigan. Go blue. And when she went to University of Michigan, they would teach you things like in a paragraph, you don't want to have multiple sentences. You really want two to three sentences once you get to like seven sentences, right? Yeah. You also, they teach you how to eliminate the fluff words in the sentence, only say specifically what you're trying to get across. So the point being though is you don't need to even get to two sentences. You don't need to have, because you shouldn't have a paragraph with one sentence. That's something they teach English majors. But in an email, I'm telling you, email grammar, you're allowed to have one sentence paragraphs. I like bullets too. Quick. Bullets are the best. The so, one, two, three, fours are okay. So anyway, going back, then they have this law. This law is in 64, 68, and not about equal protection, actually specific laws about discrimination against disabilities in places of public accommodation. That's called the American with Disabilities Act. You get laws like discrimination, housing, rentals, sales. That's called the Fair Housing Act. You have discrimination in places of employment that gets into the titles. You know, they have Title Seven, Title Eight, Title IX. You heard about these things when you're dealing with, you know where everyone knows it the most? When you have the sports and the big fight today, Lauren, on sports is should you let the transgender female, meaning born with anatomy of a male, transgender saying they're female, play on the female sports team? And that's a discrimination issue. But what's ironic about that, I'm going to tell you the ir irony, because the real conservative people out there are saying, well, that's the worst. They're going to, the, the female doesn't belong there. That's really a man. They should be, you know, you've heard this? Oh, yeah. Well, the irony of that is but for the discrimination law that's allowing the transgender person to play on the female team, but for the existence of the law in the first place, there would be no female team. Why? Because the female teams were only created because of the anti-discrimination laws. Why on earth would you fund a team like in a college? Let's just go to college for a second. Why would you fund girls rugby or something like that when you're making money from men's basketball? You're making money as a school from men's football, like these other, these row teams and all this jazz. A lot of it came about because there was equal rights laws, discrimination laws, anti-discrimination laws, and they came about and they said, if you're going to fund the men, you got to fund the women too. And the irony of it, it's just an interesting thought, is that the people that are saying, well, we have a right for women's sports. Or, and you can't have the transgendered man to woman in the mix because that, that screws it up the whole thing. Or forgetting the fact that the same anti-discrimination law that they hate now is the reason the woman's sport exists in the first place. 
Just a thought. Just a but, thought. But I, well, I'm not telling you I'm for or against this stuff. I'm just telling you that, like, you got to well, – how do we start? What can you say? What is the story? This N-word got this person fired. And and you got the cookies, the Mother's Day, the fo- – as a store, should you be – that's what I'm kind of wondering. Should you be tailoring – like, let's break it like this. I'm a real estate broker. I do an open house. I do it on Mother's Day. I make a Mother's Day theme. Couldn't it be argued that I'm there for discriminating against non-women parents? If I was to have a whole theme for Mother's Day, I'm just wondering about this, the extent of where we're going with this thing. Because, you know, in a store, a bagel store, that's where we were, the bagel store, just so you know. Tuna bagel, of course, I had on everything bagel. I know you were curious. I actually had the tuna veggie because I like the crunch. The veggie tuna. It's much better. Veggie tuna bagel. That's what you need, a tuna bagel. And it, she knows us now. I walked well, she in. she knows me because I don't get the bagel. I get the wrap. And so she looks at me like, why would I possibly go in there for, to a bagel store to get a wrap? So again, there is no discrimination law that's applicable on bagel stores. <laughs> Not yet. Well, there is as far as their employment. There is as opposed, meaning the employees there can't be discriminated against on a spectrum of different stuff. There's also anti-discrimination laws in the bagel store because it's a place of public accommodation. And therefore, you can't discriminate against people coming in, disabled people. You can't discriminate. And the New York State human rights law, to some extent, I guess, would probably be applicable. But I've never seen a claim with bagel store you're targeting only women that are mothers. Because isn't that also age discrimination? Because at some point as a woman, don't well, I guess maybe I'm being discriminatory because you could adopt as a woman when you're 80. Well, you're making a face of me, but women have menopause. You can't have, like, you, you read, like, the rock star men at 75 are having babies. But the women can't, they can adopt, though. So isn't there also I've never age- seen an 80-year-old new mom. But it's possible, I guess. I think the women are smart. I got to tell you, I'm 40, and I have a two-year-old. I also have a seven-year-old. I don't know how people that are 70 do it. Like, I need a nap, and I'm 40. Like, these kids are exhausting. I get home from the moment I get home. One's on one shoulder, one's on the other shoulder, and then they're headbutting me the whole time. <laughs> like, it's it's something. So anyway, Newsday. You know about Newsday? They make news every day. Well, they're big on investigative reporting these days to differentiate themselves from other news sources. I think they've been really good, actually. Although yeah, I'm gonna, me too. I pay for it now. I'm going to tell you about something. So for you non-New Yorkers, if you're in another state, Newsday is a Long Island-based newspaper. It used to be considered a rag in the when I was growing up, more like in the scheme of like a daily news or a post, and not a, uh, just as compared to a serious news reporting. So uh, like we would read the Newsday for Long Island sports. We'd read the daily news for New York City sports like they uh, like the gossip. You know, they had good gossip. But if you wanted something sp- intense, you'd read the Wall Street Journal. You know, like that's that was what the New York area people did. Anyway, Newsday, as Lauren said, has got much more investigative. But they have this exclusive that I'm reading from April 18th. And it's on this topic. So I just thought I would share it with you. Here's their here's their headline. New York ways making sexual harassment a crime would be for nations first. And I think it's a pl- sexual harassment a crime. You mean that you can go to jail for saying something to another person that 
you're harassing them. Well, that's what someone would think if they just read the Newsday article. Although I will tell you that it gets a little more specific in the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth paragraph. You might be able to figure it out. But it's not that law. I, I looked up the law. The law can be found at eight. 2200 or S747A stands for assembly, S stands for Senate. I don't know if you're interested in this, but I looked up the law myself and what the law says, it's actually only a three paragraph law, is that the penal law now has a statute and it's not, just so we're clear, this is not enacted yet. I think that's also a very important thing. Newsday is reporting this, but we're, we're saying that it's not law. It's just a proposed law. This is nothing more than a proposed law these days. But I, I thought it was interesting to say, and I'll tell you why in a second. The penal law is amended by adding a new section 240.33 to read as follows, sexual harassment. And you asked, if you say something, can you go to jail? That was your, your statement. A person is guilty of sexual harassment when, with the purpose of sexual arousal or gratification, and without consent, he or she slaps, strikes, shoves, or kicks another person, or otherwise subjects such other person to physical contact, or attempts to threaten to do the same. Sexual harassment is a class A misdemeanor. That's all it is. Well, it's basically saying that if you're going to say that you're going to commit a crime, then it's jail worthy. Well, if you're going to hit someone, slap them or anything else, you've already done a crime. So that's already that's sexual harassment. That's already you doing assault on them. Yeah, that's assault. Very different than saying if you, I don't know, come with me back to my hotel room, I'll get you a promotion. Well, I'm pointing out because their headline makes it sound like that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But really what they did is they said, we're going to have another assault. We're going to call it sexual harassment. And if it's sexual harassment with intent for arousal. Now, in intent for arousal, like I, uh, just to go there for a second, how do you ever know what someone intends to arousal? Like, I got to tell you, I was a human sexuality professor. And I've never read anything where you can ascertain whether someone's doing something with intent to arousal. Like, how do you prove someone's subjective intent? I'm going to read you something. I'm going to read you something, Lauren. I think you're going to find this interesting. This is from a case, a famous case. It's from the Seventh Circuit. That's Chicago. Okay? okay. It's one of my favorite cases. It's called Trope v. May Department Store. I think it's funny that you have a favorite case, but keep going. Well, I'm going to tell you why, and you tell me if you agree. Ready? Since intent to discriminate is a mental state and mind reading not an acceptable tool of judicial inquiry, an acknowledgement of discriminatory intent may be the only truly direct evidence of intent that will ever be available. So what are they saying in Trope? How in the world, unless you're a mind reader, going to know if they did intent for arousal? How are you going to know what their intent for arousal is? Someone strikes you. They push you. And beyond like nursery school kids on the park when they're flirting as little kids, I don't know that pushing and shoving is a flirtatious thing. <laughs> I've been told before that that's how you get an order of protection against you and you end up on the rag newspaper of being an abuser. But let's assume for argument's sake that that could be intent to arousal. The court in Trope, which is a discrimination case, is a, work, uh, a workplace discrimination case. The court says, unless you're a mind reader, how are you supposed to know someone's mental state? And I think that's an important thing that we have to acknowledge when we start making sexual harassment a crime. Now to loop it for one second, and this is important to what we're talking about. 
you read the headline from Newsday and you think, sexual harassment's a crime. Where are we going with this? We just read that this human rights commission and attorney head boss lady that teaches this stuff lost their job for that word. You started off before the 60s and you remember and you remember. What you remember? You remember there was really no laws before the 60s. It was only a matter of PR. And by the way, that's coming out of the Jim Crow era, right? Mm. Where maybe you'd get a promotion for being discriminatory. Think about that for a second. So then you get the 60s and it was a civil violation. So a school district violates discrimination. A teacher discriminates. An employer discriminates, a coworker discriminates, a landlord discriminates, a property manager discriminates, a real estate broker discriminates, a board discriminates. What's the only ramification? Today, it's a civil lawsuit, meaning you could be exposed to monetary penalties, fines, awards, money, just money. Then I read this Newsday thing and I go, are we going from it first being a societal wrong? or a right back to the Jim Crow era, which was wrong, by the way, into it being, if someone's a victim, we should be able to self-police by being, bringing civil lawsuits. And I forgot the transition in the middle, and the transition was not just can you bring civil lawsuits, but we're going to fund all these governmental agencies to bring the lawsuits for you. And now you're reading Newsday saying they're going to have the first in the nation law about making sexual harassment a crime, albeit I just explained to you that's bobbledygook. It's planting a seed, though. And that's what I wanted to talk about, Lauren. You just said it. Is this very subtle thing, the slippery slope, where all of a sudden I'm going to be at work. And Lauren and I, we're not married. We are, but we're not in this story. And we're at work, and Lauren wants a promotion. And I say, no way, Jose. And she goes, he touched me. He touched me. He touched me. And the next thing I know, I'm in handcuffs with the cops because they're going to say, like, where are we going with this thing now? And just so we're clear, she didn't say he touched me sexually. She didn't say, just so we're clear, he touched me on a private part. He, she didn't say, all she says, he touched me, meaning like in sexual harassment discrimination law, if I touch her lower back and I'm- Like and I'm Momo. A, and I'm alluding, and I'm alluding to a sexual favor as a quid pro quo, something for something for the raise. That's sexual harassment. That's in sexual harassment law. The question I have is: Do we want that to be criminal? Is that the next level that we're going? Is this is this proposed legislation the future of us? And I don't know. My my question though goes back to this trope case. If you're going to make someone's life liberty pursuit of happiness, if you're going to make someone's freedom, freedom, because class A misdemeanor can go to jail to up to a year. That's what class A misdemeanor means. Maximum punishment up to one year. Class B, just so it clears, up to six months. So if you're going to do that, don't we really need to articulate what intent means? Don't we really need to get into that intent argument? Don't we really need to understand how the trope court said the court needs to mind read? Don't we need to flesh that out a lot more? Well, we did just that. You see, New York State has another law that's in the books. Well, it's not in the books. It's being pushed through. And we're going to tell you about that law that's being pushed through and what Leap School is doing about it right after the break. Stay with us. This is the Leapcast. We'll be right back. 
Find us on social media at Listen to Leap or visit listentoleap.com. 